0: Hey, I wanted to to tell you, even in light of what we've heard here today, that we are going to see that even your ability to enjoy this music and something inside you just loves this type of singing and this type of music, that also is a gift of God. God says that he controls every cell in your body and every uh, endorphin that's released for joy, he controls that as well. And so you can't even take pride in the fact that you like this music. You can't even take pride in that you like these two girls' voices. God gave you just the, the ability to enjoy that, too. A uh, little housekeeping. You are going to have one of these uh, picked up for communion. We're going to have communion at the end of the day. Just to kind of tell you, it's really not too tough. But you have to just peel it back t- to get the host. And then you peel it back to get the drink again. So when we get to that, that will be uh, simple for you to do that. I am uh, excited about this message. This, I would say, to me, is my life epitaph. And when it was assigned to me, this topic, uh, number one, it is so dear to my heart, and I have believed, at least in some sense, that it has been tested. A lot of times when people get up and speak or sometimes when I'm going to get up and speak, I want to make sure that there is proof that it works in my life before I begin to ask you to consider it. And, And so at least I can say to some degree there is proof that the words that Solomon gave us are words that are true, they're words that can change and affect your life and so I hope you'll be able to enjoy it. By the time we're done today uh, I hope that we somehow have a little bit different look at all the things that kinda can frighten us and that we above all the people in this planet, people look at us and they say I want some of that. What is it they got that somehow brings joy in a way that uh, other people can't have? You think I should use the other mic or are we alright? Okay is this bothering you with this okay let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 9 Ecclesiastes chapter 9 yeah I might if it doesn't do all that junk Okay, is this all right? It's a little better there? Good. I feel better with that, too. All right, thank you. We're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We're going to take some verses, uh, verse by verse, starting with chapter 3. And we're going to kind of walk through it and try to make it applicable in our lives today. Uh, It starts out in verse 3. It says, This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that there is one fate for all men, Furthermore, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil, and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives. And afterward, they go to the dead. What an encouraging verse. But as I look at it, and I would say that what I have understood from mankind in the the years that I have been able to visit with them, I believe that that is an unbelievably true statement. Insanity is locked up in the hearts of men. Because men somehow think and women somehow think that we can live life different than the d- designer said to live it. Habakkuk says, God says, "I thought uh, this is a dreaded and feared generation because their authority originates from within their own selves. It also says in J- Jeremiah 18, we are going to follow our own plans and each of us will act according to our own stubbornness of our own heart. And I see this all the time, and I think if we're honest, we can even see it in our own lives, that we sometimes think that I like the way that I decided how to live life today rather than how God said. So he says, let's look at it first of all, that insanity is locked up in the heart of all mankind. If you're going to go ahead and decide you can live life your way, uh, then it's insane. If you look around, and I I look at this beautiful, and sometimes each year, I think, I notice trees and the color of trees better than I did the year before. And I notice different things in the sky and the stars and the planets. And every time I do, I say, was I so blind when I was young that I didn't notice the beauty? And I look at that, and I look at the magnificence of all that God made all the way from the galaxies. And then somehow, puny old man's going to tell God how to live life. And what we'll be afraid of and what we won't be afraid of. And yet God has made it very clear that it's locked up in our hearts and there's a way out of it, as Solomon comes to tell us. And then there's one fate awaits men and women. Uh, This is the thing that is so crazy, is that there is one fate. And that the wise, the unwise, I think Nick a couple weeks ago was talking about this. And he said that fate, the fact is that you can't control what's going to happen in your day. Uh, do you, it, I, I, I think Solomon also comes back and says that even though you can't control what's going to happen, if it's going to rain, if it's going to hail on the godly or the ungodly, uh, our office this week got busted out the north side. Every window got blasted out with big baseball hails. Now, I'm hoping that it hails on the godly as well as the ungodly, and, uh, but I've heard other people that nothing happens. But Solomon says in Proverbs, however, you can reduce the odds by living wise. And today we're going to go ahead and say, these are the things that I can do that will actually at least lessen the odds of fate coming upon me. But they still don't guarantee that somehow I will miss the fate. That death and dying are going to come on you. Now when it talks about the fate here of the dead, it is also talking about the process of dying, the process of age, and I cannot believe how we in America scramble to try to somehow delay it. We do everything we can. We, we, and nothing. I'm not against any of this, Okay, so let's get that right now. We do everything to somehow maintain this youth. Now we we color our hair so it looks a little younger. We we do different clothing. We do all kinds of things. We'll even go obsessive in the way that we exercise, and and we'll even starve ourselves from the delights of of good food just to be able to say I got to keep reducing. But here's the news for you: you lose. Take it at 66, you lose, and and everything begins to go. And the thing is, you think you're delaying it, but it. Always there's a cost to it. I've seen people so obsessed with trying to stop aging that relationships are put on the back burner because they have to do this. Their mind is so consumed and so wrapped up in what they look like and maybe that they're not looking older. I get up in the morning anymore and I I don't even want the lights on because uh, they talk about bags under the eyes. i got suitcases when I wake up in the morning. And I look around and think, somebody's behind me. Somebody's looking here. But no, it's me. And I have found that every single day, age comes upon you. Solomon says that his hair got gray. He lost his hair. He couldn't hear anymore. His eyesight got bad. And he said that age comes upon you, and the fact is, you will lose. But then we have everybody doing all they can to avoid dying and to avoid death, There's a secret to life here that we're going to talk about, and I think it's very, very important that you grab this. I do not believe we can come to the climax of this message, which we're going to talk about later on, until you embrace death and you embrace dying. You've got to grab it, you've got to stare at it and look it in the face, and you've got to see that it does not have what it used to have or what it's told to have. There's a story I, I got from David Jeremiah, who got it from Ray Stedman. Who, and Ray Stedman was a guy that ministered to my life a lot when I was uh, in my early Christian life. And it's a story, uh, it's a historical story about uh, this servant. And he worked in Baghdad uh, for his master. And he was in town at the market, and he was uh, shopping around, and he bumped into somebody, and the person bumped him rather hard. And he looked around, and he looked, and it was death staring at him, and he basically just shrieked. He ran home to his master, and the master looked at him. He was white. He was pale. And he said, Master, Master, I ran into death today, and he was taunting me. And, and I've got to get your horse. I've got to get your horse and get out of here. I'm not ready to die yet. And the master said, Well, I really am not ready for you to die yet either. Take my horse and go to Samaria. Get to Samaria and get away from him. So later that afternoon, the master goes to the market as well, and he uh, sees Mr. Death standing over there, and he goes over to Mr. Death, and he taps him on the shoulder. Death turns around, very scary looking, and he said, Hey, what's the idea of tormenting my servant? Mr. Death said, Hey, I wasn't tormenting your servant. I was just shocked and surprised to see him in Baghdad because I have an appointment with him in Samaria tonight. You can run from it, but you can't hide. Death is coming, and it is coming for every single one of us. So what do we do? What does Solomon tell us to do in the midst of this? And if we can look at it and and really look at it squarely in the eyes, I believe it's going to set you free to live a life... Where joy begins to flood over and you can, you can see the verses of, that Jesus said that you're going to be rivers of living water. That fullness of joy will overflow not only on you, it says it will splash on those around you. But I think until you really are ready to die and you look at it, you're not going to be able to live. So let's go on to the next verse. Down here it says in uh, verses 4. For whoever is joined with all the living, there is hope. Surely a live dog is better than a dead lion. Now, isn't that fun? Uh, The point here that he's making here is that a live dog still has opportunity. A dog was the lowest of that time. It was kind of considered kind of the the hogs that there were in that day. And the lion was the the, most, the mighty. And he's saying, even if you're a dog, and you're alive, you're better off than lying dead, because you still have opportunity. You still have the ability to take what he just said before, and that is that there is hope. And he was referring, and I think in part of his reference, he was pointing way forward ahead. But remember, in God's timing, there is no past or future. One day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And he says, wait a minute, there is something and somebody that came that can give you hope. So as we look in John chapter 11, verse 25, it says, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he, and, and he who uh, believes in me will never die. And even if one would die, he would live and have eternal life. It also says in Psalm, or 1 John 5, 11, 13, and the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. And he who has the Son has this eternal life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live and never die. He says, come to me, you who are looking for life. I am life. Christ who is my life. Over and over, he tells us that he is our life. And over and over, those that will believe in him will not experience death the way that they experienced death in the old days. We experience death in a different way, and we're going to look into that. There was a story, and a matter of fact, I had read the story, I had heard it, but I had to be really careful because Ben and Jill, uh, our pastor here and his wife, they're related to the people that I talk about with this story. And so in 1956, when I was three years old, uh, there was a terrible murdering of missionaries. In a, and uh, in the, in the people there, they speared these five missionaries and they killed them. And the story is told by a a lady named Dawah. And Dawah was hiding in the bushes during this terrible, terrible murder. And there were screams and things. And uh, she was in the bushes hiding. And she said... uh, that she reported something she had never heard before. And when she looked up and trying to be still without breaking out with such terrible, terrible uh, ugliness of fear of what was happening, she looked up in the top of the trees, there was a chorus kind of a music. She had never heard anything like it. She didn't know what it was until later on after she became a believer and she was at a conference and somebody put on an album. She had never seen an album on a photograph and they started playing and it was the chorus music that was being played by the angels in her heart that day when she noticed it. Stephen when he died, Stephen when he died, he said Stephen full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Jesus when he was hanging there on the cross angels drew their swords ready to come and cut him down and he looked up and he said no stay your hand for I see the glory of the Father I assure you, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are going to see and experience something you have never, ever believed. When angels even came to Paul on Patmos and they came to him and they revealed, even an angel came to him, he fell to his feet and he said, Wow, wow, I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. You see, we can have hope. We can have hope because the death has been arrested. Death has been arrested, and we have the ability to believe in the fact that we have eternal life. And because of that, we now can be ready to live. I want to insert something here, and I think that when you get a good grasp upon uh, death in terms of looking at it for what it is, you also can look at fear. And, And we have a time right now, and it is kind of shocking Uh, the amount of fear that just is prevalent amongst our country and our world right now. Now, I am not telling you to disregard some of the things that you've been told, but we have fear that comes upon us, and fear begins to shrink our world. The more fearful we get, the, the smaller your world gets. I was talking to a dear friend of mine, and he had been visiting with a pastor that used to be in the Hills area. And it was uh, three months now, and he, his life, he loves his grandchildren. He just loves to be around his grandchildren. And he said, I have not seen my grandchildren for three months. And my friend said, why? And he said, well, because we're separated. And, uh, and, he's, and the fear had just kind of shrunk him down and robbed him. And uh, he reassured him that you're going to be okay, and the grandchildren will be okay. He celebrated, they hugged, they kissed, they cried. He called back and said, I cannot believe what was happening to my life. It was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. We have a world and a media that wants to reduce our life. And, and I think you can be smart. I think you can do some things. I can say this, I don't touch my face much anymore. I, at least I learned that. That's one good thing that we got from this COVID, that I don't touch my face. But I think you can live life and you can enjoy life. And only if you begin to see death and see what death is. Now, as every message that I've ever heard us give here, we want to make sure that we realize that you can get lost in all the little details of a message. But every message still leads us back to something, and that is this. God is chasing you down, and he's wooing you, and God is interested in intimate oneness with you. They that know their God will put their trust in God. I've had people call me and ask me, how do I, how do I increase my trust? And I said, you, you don't work on increasing your trust. You work on knowing God. If you know God, you will trust this God. This God is an incredible God, and the more that you begin to know him, the more your trust dissolves away. Don't work on trust. Get to know this God. He is incredible. He's incredible. In verse 7, we come to, it, verse 7, it says, Go then, eat your bread in happiness, drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already approved your works. Verse 8 says, Let your clothes be white all the time, let not oil be lacking on your head, and enjoy life with a woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, for he has given you under the sun. This is your reward in life and your toil in which you labor. Here is what I want us to focus on. It took a long time to get to this place. There is a command for you once you know that you have hope, once you know that you have conquered death, death has no victory over you, and you can basically stare death in the face, and you can go ahead and live life. He says, now live life with gusto. I want you to eat every meal and everything you do, tasting the fullness. Use all of your senses. Taste what you can taste. This is worship. This is what pleases me, God said. I delight in the joys of your heart. I want to grant you the desires of your heart. And he says, so eat. Eat as though every meal is like a celebration. Why do we save some of our best china? And Charles Swindoll says, I use the best china every day. I want to celebrate as though every day is a party because every day is a party. And we're going to see later on at communion. Communion is simply to remind you that you have to eat and drink every day. And you need to remember who this king of glory is and what he came and who he conquered so that you could enjoy life. Live to the fullest. He said, when you drink your wine, drink it with robust." Drink it and enjoy it. Lift the glass and celebrate it to God. Thank him for his creativity and how he creates grapes and things. Celebrate as though it's not just at a wedding and not just at a funeral. Celebrate and celebrate and celebrate. And then he says, and let your clothes be white. That has two meanings to it. When you come to a wedding and you come to some kind of special event, you dress up. You, you want to feel comfortable. You want to look good. And you look in the mirror and say, hey, I look all right today. And it comes with the other part, white garments back then were comfortable. They were play garments. They were things that you felt good and comfortable playing in. They weren't these tight suits that you couldn't move around. He said, listen, I want people to look at my people and be drawn to them. There were eyes and their mouth wide open to say, what is it? Who is it that they have that somehow we can reflect? And I believe that if you can look death in the face, you'll be able to live life and enjoy life to its fullest. It's not only that you can enjoy it, you're commanded to enjoy it. I don't see her here t- right now, but uh, maybe she's here. Uh, this is, today is my 45th wedding anniversary. And we were talking yesterday, and we said, who could ever imagine 45 years we are more crazy about each other now than we ever were in our early years? You can enjoy the fullness of your spouse. You can let all those little idiosyncrasies go. You can receive them that they are a gift from God. And the ability to enjoy my wife is a gift from God. It's not just that she's special, but although she is. So enjoy life, enjoy life to its fullest. I want you to, if you have your Bibles turn to John chapter six, verse forty eight. And I can tell you that this is my heart. I say this often. And here Jesus is talking about the kind of eating and the kind of drinking and it's way different than what the world has ever seen. It was so absolutely confusing that they didn't know what to do with it. And so he makes these statements starting in in uh, verse 38. And he says, I am the bread of life and I've come down from heaven. Not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Behold the Son and believe in him. And you will have eternal life, for I myself will raise you up in the last days, because I am the bread of life that comes down out of heaven. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. The fathers ate man in the wilderness and they died, but this bread, you eat it, you will not die. I am the living bread and I've come down out of heaven. You eat of this, you will live forever. I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh, that word there is in the present participle, that means he who continually keeps on reminding yourself and eating, my life will have eternal life. My flesh is the true food, and my blood is the true drink. And he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. And for as the Father, as the living Father sent me, I now uh, I live because the Father. So he who eats me will also live eternally because of me. This is the bread which came out of heaven, and not that the like your fathers who ate it and died. The people who eat this now live forever. When we go ahead and take your communion, there you're going to take that, and I want you to realize something that I think is incredible. And I try to do this whenever I lift up a glass and whether I have something good to eat, at least in my heart. When he says, whenever you eat or drink, do it in remembrance of me. And this is something that, that absolutely burns into my soul. And this is my attitude. And today I'm going to ask you to let this be your attitude. That somehow when you walk out of here, this will be your, your banner that you will place over you. And it says, Sure. The king of terror may come for us before Jesus comes for us. But we will just look old age and death in the face and we'll say, Look at me. Look at me. I know you're coming, but you've already lost. We stand with the body of eternal youth and a new heaven and a new earth with our king of glory, long after we have forgotten you ever existed, death. So Psalm 24 says, Lift up your hearts, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors. ...that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? He's the Lord strong and mighty in battle. Strong in battle. That's the king of glory. So every time you eat, remind yourself of this... ...that death has been arrested. And as a musician sing this song... ...I want you to, to take the celebration... ...and peel it back and drink it... ...and remind yourself today... ...that your God has came and put death away. Death has no longer any victory. The sting of death is gone. And if that's gone... Believe me, you will celebrate life and you will absolutely look forward to this new heaven and this new body. And then you can enjoy life and you can eat and drink and enjoy your spouse for the rest of your days. So with the music, come on.